Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Thank you. Nice. Can we just quickly give it up for our music team? They always... They always do such a good job uh, leading us every single week. Hey, if you're new or visiting with us this morning, we're so happy that you're here. We're so happy that you've joined with us. Uh, And for everyone else, it's so good to be here, isn't it? Uh, It's uh, good to be in a church that's alive. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about the difference between a church and a life-giving church. And uh, you can just feel it, can't you, when you just see kids running around and life bursting out and uh, ministry starting, things happening. It's just so exciting. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm always uh, really honored uh, to be part of this community, to be part of this family. And if this is your first time, we hope you feel at home and uh, you are welcome here. We've just ended uh, an amazing series called Shepherd. Uh, it was five, six weeks, six weeks uh, on Psalm 23, and it was incredible. I encourage you to go listen back. Uh, it changed my perception on a whole load of things. Uh, but today, I want to actually talk about something that I think affects us all, something that we might talk about in church a little bit, but I really want to deep dive into it today. In fact, I'm going to spend two weeks talking about this. It's going to be a little mini-series, and We're going to be looking at fear. I want to look at fear. And the way we're going to do this is today I'm going to look at what is fear? Where did it come from? Why is fear around? And uh, we're going to look at how we can chase away fear in our lives. And then next week we are going to be looking at fear in more of a practical sense in what fear looks like in our lives. And in fact, uh, the absolute significance and importance of getting it out of living without fear. So does that sound okay? So we're going to do two weeks on fear. And if you haven't already read, this is going to be called Don't Feed the Birds. Don't Feed the Birds. We see these signs everywhere. And uh, it'll all become clear, but it's two weeks on Don't Feed the Birds. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to 1 John 4, verses 17. Uh, if, oh, sorry, uh, verses 18. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. I'm going to read it out. It's only a short one. Uh, but this is going to be uh, our focus when we look at fear, so 1 John 4, 18 and 19, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I think fear is so, so significant. I think fear is actually one of the biggest things we face as Christians, as people. And I would encourage you to imagine your life without fear. And then you ask, why is it important we talk about fear? Well, you imagine your life without fear, and then you go, oh, that's why it's significant. Because we all, all struggle with fear. Fear is something that has a grip on so many people. And uh, I just think we need to talk about it. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this. And uh, I really encourage you, this might be something, uh, it it might seem a little intellectual, it might seem a little bit deep in some areas, but I just want to encourage you, we're going to crack down into this, because this matters. This really, really matters. This isn't just a nice message, this isn't just an encouragement, it will be. 
But actually, this is something that has a grip on so many people. And it's about time we said enough. Holly preached an amazing, amazing message uh, where she talked about fear in our Shepherd series. And uh, I just think God's stirring something. And I think God is calling us into a season to live fearlessly. So we need to know what we're facing, right? So let me pray and we'll jump in. Father God, I thank you so much that we can be here. God, I thank you that you are alive. God, I thank you that you are active. God, right now in this place, I pray for every single person as they come into this room, as they sit down. I pray that you would just move aside the things that block our view of you. That you would move aside the things that stop us coming to you. And this morning, I pray that we just have such a genuine, authentic connection and relationship with you this morning. God, whether we have known you all our life or whether this is the first time that someone is sat in this room, God, I pray right now that we would just encounter you in a new way. We want to leave differently. And God, only you can change people. Only you can do the work. Only you can change us from being broken to being whole. So God, I thank you for everything that you're doing, everything you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was in uh, the end of November, beginning of December, I was in Australia, and uh, you've heard some of uh, my thoughts on some of the journeys that we took and some being delayed and all that sort of stuff. And, And for many of you who've been to Australia, you know that the journey is really, really long. And by the time we'd left Sydney, we'd, uh, we'd flown to somewhere else in Australia, then we'd flown to Abu Dhabi, then we'd flown to Manchester. We had to wait about an hour in Manchester to get picked up. Now, we were tired. We were in that state. I don't know if you've ever traveled where you are really, really hungry, but you cannot even think about food because it makes you just feel ill. So we were like, our bodies were messed up. We were just tired, a little bit grumpy. We were all just sat there not talking with all of our bags and... And uh, we decided to go sit in like a little, a little Greg's. And um, we sat there and I, all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I just see this pigeon. Now like, like at the beginning, I'm like, I'm pretty tired. Like, you know, I ain't slept in a whole long time. <laughs> there's not a pigeon inside the airport. And uh, I, there's like little scufflings and there's like little murmurings of people and people like making these quick movements and there was, there was a pigeon. There was a pigeon inside the airport. Like, I mean, I don't know, airports are really difficult to get through as a person. I do not know how a pigeon ended up in the airport. Um, but I guess it's just a lack of security these days, isn't it? But a pigeon made it. And I won't lie to you, I'm not scared of birds, I'm not scared of pigeons. But there was just something about this pigeon that just made me really uneasy. It had like a vendetta for people. It would, it would like flap at people. And actually little crowds began to gather at the side where people would sit and watch the pigeon fly into people. And as people were rushing around, they'd, they'd, have, they'd have to duck. And while people were eating, you'd see them like awkwardly slide their food and back away from this pigeon. Now, I don't know about you, but like I imagine the look in the eyes of like a, a wild animal hunting must be pretty terrifying. But I don't know, I don't think there's anything more terrifying than looking into the eyes of an animal that has no idea what it's doing. Like it's just a little unsettling. I don't think the pigeon knew it was a pigeon. Like I just don't think there's a whole lot going on in pigeons' minds. And that's unsettling. It's just unsettling because you're there trying to mind your own business and there's a pigeon flying around inside. You just, it just doesn't feel right. And we were like kind of trying to eat and all this stuff and it was wasn't fun next minute there's two pigeons like I was a little bit uneasy of one pigeon but I could not relax with two pigeons two pigeons was one pigeon far too many 
Like one pigeon was enough, but two, it was, we were unsettled. Holly and Becca were just, calm down. Just, a pig, just pigeons. And then, then this, this, was the, this was the thing that pushed me over the edge here, right? So the two pigeons flying around, they're just like walking as they do, like eating stuff off the floor. They're up on the tables. They were like just wreaking absolute havoc in the, in the arrivals lounge. And, uh, and then I look over across the room. And uh, the pigeons seem to have calmed down a little bit. And I'm thinking, why are the pigeons not just left? Like, the, the door's like right over there. The pigeons could have left. And then I see a little boy, just a little boy, just a nice little boy, stood on a bench feeding the pigeons his crisps. Like, his parents were sat next to him, minding their own business, while the son is feeding the pigeons. Of course they're going to stick around if you keep feeding the pigeons. The pigeons were congregating around this little kid who was having the best time of his life just chucking this little bit of food to the pigeons. But he didn't realize he was just causing mayhem in the airport. Like there was people trying to get rid of the pigeons. Like they thought they'd got them, thought they'd got them, then they'd fly over the shoulder. Like it caused absolute mayhem. They couldn't control it. And like what started out was just like a stupid little one-off momentary thing where the pigeons could have just flown in. They were looking around. They managed to get their way out. And it, oh, that was a funny story. The pigeons, they made it out. But actually, the little kid just kept feeding it. It actually turned into a little bit of a problem. And in fact, there was people wearing the, you know, like the, the green vests running around, like figuring out how are we going to get the pigeons out of the airport? This shouldn't happen. And the more and more I thought about this and the more and more... I just think, is this a picture of our relationship with fear? You think, what? In fact, may I go as far as suggesting this morning that this is a perfect demonstration of our relationship with fear. You see, fear isn't one of those things where it comes like a giant monster or it's like this big, like gnarly teeth that's going to rip us apart. Actually, no, fear is just an infestation of tons of things that we just leave. It is a really big, out-of-control problem that started as a little one-off, a little overlooked feeling. It'll be fine. This may be grown into a problem that's gripping your life. This may be, in fact, so real in your life right now that it's stopping you from living the life that God's called you to live. What started out as just, uh, isn't this funny, isn't this nice, like, oh, fear is just a normal part of human life has now actually become something that controls us, something that is out of our control. You see, I think we should look at fear because fear can stop us doing a whole lot of things. In fact, fear can be the very, very thing that stops us being the person that God called us to be. Let's look at it. I want to dive into fear. We're going to look at it from a few different perspectives. And... Uh, I really just want you to lean in and ask yourself, can I resonate with this? Can I grab hold of this? Can I do the work that it's going to take to live a fearless life? Let's look at it. Dictionary defines fear as to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or harmful. As likely. A common quote we'll hear is false evidence appearing real. A, a quite renowned life coach uh, called Stephanie Mellis, she says, fear is an idea-crippling, experience-crushing, success-stalling inhibitor inflicted only by you. So let, let's just look at a trend here for a second. Fear exists where? Inside of you, inside of me. Fear exists inside of us. 
That is where it is. But like, what does the Bible talk about? This idea of like false evidence appearing real, it's about perception, isn't it? There's something that happens inside of us that causes us to fear. There's something that goes on deep within us that actually causes a really, really big problem. Often I've heard people talk about the idea of fear and we talk about, you know, this is how we live without it or this is what fear does to us. And I think it's important to talk about that and we're going to talk about that next week. Actually, I want to look at where fear came from. I want to look at actually why fear is one of those things that we are so susceptible to. In the Bible, fear is mentioned over 500 times. It's mentioned a lot. The Bible talks about two types of fear. It talks about the fear of God and then a state of fearing or a spirit of fear. For those of you who don't know, the fear of God is kind of like a mix of respect and a little bit of dread and just like a healthy distance from something. Like maybe you would fear the ocean. It's not necessarily that you're scared of it, but it's more so that you know its power. It's kind of a recognition of the scale and grandeur of something. So to have a fear of God isn't to say that you're scared of God. It's more to say that you really recognize the scale and power and glory of God. So that's one of the ways the Bible talks about fear. But the other way is this idea of a spirit of fear or a, a state of fearing. Now what I don't mean, just to clarify before we jump into this, I don't mean the feeling you get before a job interview. Or the feeling you get before you're about to experience something like a nervousness, or maybe you feel a little bit anxious about something. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'll say an emotion, and emotions come and go. I'm talking about a deeper sense of fear here, the type of fear that stops us living the life we were called to live, the type of fear that stops us from stepping into new things, the type of fear that stops us from growing in our walk and relationship with God. I'm talking about a deeper sense of fear here, not just the emotion. So we're talking about the type of fear that's going to cage our lives. Are we following? Is this okay? Okay, let's jump into this. So let's start right back at the beginning with the Bible. So God created the heavens and the earth. He created us. This is what we're going to call the creation ideal. So this is exactly how God designed us to be. So he created the heavens. He created the earth. He created uh, nature. He created um, like everything that we see. He created us as in humanity. And he created like birds and animals and all this stuff. You get the picture. This is what we call the creation ideal. This is exactly how God made us to be. We were walking in perfect union. We were, like I've used the word shalom before, the Jewish understanding of nothing missing, nothing broken. It's like the perfect balance. It's exactly how things are supposed to be. That's the creation ideal. So when God created us, that was the state we were in. Perfect harmony with our creator. Create and creator living in perfect harmony. God said to humanity, said to Adam and Eve, like you can do anything you want. Okay, you can go anywhere, but the only thing you can do is you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, now this always sounds quite mystic, isn't it? Like, why did, what was so special about the tree? What, what was going to happen? Like, like, just for a little bit of clarity, there wasn't anything special about the fruit or the tree. This was God's way of testing humanity to say, look, in obedience, you're going to live in this creation ideal. You're going to live with me in perfect harmony. But if you decide to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, essentially, then humanity wanted to become more than they were. In other words, wanting more than God. It was like a selfish desire. If they took that route, it was then saying they didn't want to do life with God. 
So we have to understand the significance of this if we want to understand fear. So creation ideal, everything balanced, everything perfect. If they go eat from the fruit of this tree, they are out of balance. So what happened? Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of this tree. And what happened? Sin entered the world. What is sin? It is a severance from God. So when humanity broke that, that relationship, broke that seal between humanity and God, between creator and created, they then became severed. They became distant. There was a void, a gap between humanity and God. In fact, the first time fear is introduced is in Genesis 3. And it's the first thing that's mentioned after this experience of the fall. I think that's significant. Yeah, when I found this thread, I just began to pull and pull and pull. And in fact, what I've come across, I think fear is actually a very, very scary part of our lives. In fact, I actually think fear is actually fundamental to our human condition. Journey with me for a second. Okay, so if fear was introduced right after the fall, this is what happened. Uh, God said, don't eat from the tree. They ended up eating from the tree. They severed their relationship with God. So then God, he says, he was walking through the garden. He calls out to Adam and Adam hides. And then it says, Adam was afraid because he knew he was naked. Now God, even though he knew the answer, he just said, who told you you were naked? Because before when they were living in perfect peace in this, in this shalom, this creation ideal, they were totally fine. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no brokenness. But yet all of a sudden, fear is introduced as a direct consequence of the fall. So the very essence of brokenness lifts its head in fear. The first thought about fear is fear was born from the severance between humanity and God. So in the creation ideal, there's a total absence of fear. But now in brokenness, there's fear. You see, when we lived in that creation ideal, when humanity had this perfect balance with God, there was no fear. See, the difference between the creation ideal and our state of human brokenness, let's call this the human condition, is that actually faith, so when we walk with God, is a magnification of God and his attributes. But fear is the same thing as faith, but it's the other side of the coin. It's a magnification of our attributes. Now this is really important. Because if we think about this, when we approach things in our life, and we approach them in faith, in perfect harmony with God, instead of looking at self, we actually look at the attributes of God. So when we look at life, we're looking at it through the strength and the attributes of God. That's faith. But actually fear is when we approach life through whose attributes? Ours. And guess what? We're not enough. We're inadequate. Think about this for a second. When we fear, let's rip it right back to the root. What is it? It's always about us. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't think I'm qualified enough. I don't think I've got what it takes. I think I'll be rejected. I don't think I'll be liked. I don't think I'll fit in. I don't think I've got what it takes. I don't think I'm good enough. See, fear is a magnification of self. So when that severance happened, when we were severed from relationship with God and fear entered our lives, we begin to look at ourselves. 
See, I want to just quickly draw some distinctions about this idea of faith and fear. When I say faith, I don't mean like big outlandish steps of, of courage. Like, and they're important, but we're just not talking about that today. I'm talking faith means like perfect relationship with God, like unity with God. Because through faith, we have our relationship with God, okay? Are we following? Is this okay? Sweet. Okay, so in perfect relationship with God is faith. But in our severance, when we live in that severance from God, it's fear. Fear is the preset of humanity when we live outside of God. So where faith says God can, fear says I can't. See, this is really, this is significant. Because when we walk through life and we face challenges, we face pain, we face brokenness, we face hard like trials and storms in our life. See, if we're operating aside from God, guess what happens? Fear, because we look at what we've got. But actually, if we were to step back into relationship with God and through faith and actually look at His attributes, guess what we don't have? Fear, because He is enough. So fear was born out of a severance between humanity and God. That's the first thing we need to know. See, fear builds a small like covering over us. Like, in fact, I want to even, I want to say this. Fear is an abuse of the God-given gift to dream. Fear is an abuse. It's an exploitation. It is a misuse of our ability to create future. Because God's given us the ability, unique ability as well. I don't see pigeons having this ability to dream and to build future and to create I want, you, I want you to think of it maybe like a gun. Like what are we filling it with? Are we filling it with faith or are we filling it with fear? Because like we learned at the beginning, like fear is something that exists inside of us. Not that he's a renowned scholar or anything, but the actor Will Smith. He says, fear is just an illusion. Like don't get me wrong, danger is real. But fear is just an illusion. It's something that happens inside of us. Will Smith in church. <laughs> See, fear builds this tiny little covering that we sit under. And we live like a caged, small life. But faith, it wants to blow open the sides and live in this expansive, expansive place of freedom, of fearlessness, of purpose. Am I building a picture here of what it looks like to live in fear and what it looks like to live in relationship with God? There is a big difference. So fear was born out of a severance between humanity and God. Now this one, I think this one is interesting and some people might find this hard to take. But can I actually just suggest that fear is validated in our lives because humanity has an inherent belief that we are deserving of punishment. See, journey with me just a second. If we believe that what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden affects us today, now, this is called doctrine of original sin. If you're interested, go read up about it. This means that what happened in that garden tainted humanity for good. It wasn't like because they fell, then we're all fine and we have an opportunity to fall. And then maybe if we don't fall, we can live. Nah, that's not how it worked. Is God gave humanity one shot. You either do it without me or you do it with me. And they chose without. We are tainted. We are not the creation ideal. Okay, we are a mutated form. We are a marred mirror of what it looks like to be whole. So if we believe that what Adam did 
what Adam and Eve did in that garden affects us today, then we need to understand that there is a part of the human condition that believes we are deserving of punishment. So when God was walking through the garden, he says, uh, who told you you were naked? Adam was afraid. Why? Because he knew he'd done something wrong. You know, I actually want to suggest this morning that we live out of this inherent belief far too much more than we realize. You know, actually, when bad things happen in our life, what often do we say? Of course it will happen to me. In fact, even sometimes, maybe some people even believe deep down in themselves that they're deserving of the things that happen to them. Maybe it's more common than we realize. But I just want to suggest this morning that if we want to believe, and let's just go intellectual for a second, that it is rationally inconsistent, it is intellectually inconsistent to believe in original sin and reject inherent guilt. If we believe that what happened in the Garden of Eden affects us today, then we have to understand that part of the human brokenness is a belief that we are deserving of punishment. Now, you might be sitting there like, I don't feel like that. That's fine. It's not a feeling. This is just part of brokenness. And it's something we need to know. It's something we need to realize. Because why? It's going to push us into Jesus. Let's just watch. So fear is validated from this inherent belief that we are deserving of punishment. Like we believe that we have done stuff wrong, that we are guilty and we are deserving of punishment. Fear's main purpose is to separate us from God. See how this pushes us to God, right? So faith pushes us towards God. Fear separates us from God. It, it allows us to exist in that severance. Think about it like this. Death has been beaten, okay? What Jesus did on the cross when he died for your sin, for my sin, that was final. He beat sin, he beat death, and he beat fear. So imagine evil is like a shrinking kingdom then fear is like the trailing arm with a claw digging into this, uh, into this earth. It's like the trailing arm of a dwindling kingdom. So that's what we need to understand is that fear has already been beaten. But it's still got a grip on us. What Jesus did on the cross was more than enough. Like, let's look at this. If fear tries to separate us from God, and the two things we've learned so far is that, is that fear was born in a separation from God. So when we exist separate from God, we fear. And we also learn that humanity has an inherent belief that we deserve punishment. Those two things perpetuate fear in our lives, whether we realize it or not. What did the, what did the cross of Jesus do? It provided a way back to God, and it paid for our penalty. So actually, the very nature of fear is completely disarmed through the sacrifice of Jesus. Can we see a loop starting to build here? The cross of Jesus just isn't something that fixes our now. It isn't just something that fixes our eternity, that one day we can go be in heaven. It actually releases the power of fear in our lives. Because the very thing that fear tries to tell us to, you know, to live in this separation from God and, and the fact that we're, just, we're not worthy enough because we deserve this penalty, well, actually, the sacrifice of Jesus already paid for it and it already made a way back to God. This is really important. See, we know where fear came from. We know a little bit about it. We know its backstory. Because if we're going to address it, we need to know everything about it, don't we? So we've learned that actually fear exists when we are separate from God. And we know that actually it has been disarmed. Everything Jesus did on the cross disarmed fear. But then why does it still have such a grip on us? 
Because I'm not suggesting that if you struggle with fear, that you mustn't be a Christian or you mustn't have faith. That's not what I'm saying. How can we be a Christian and still suffer with fear, be crippled by fear? I actually think God has put some stuff on us. It's like Jesus unhooked the boat and our job is to just push it out. So we can know that Jesus has beaten fear. Now we just have some work to do to get it out of our lives. Is this okay? Are you following? Sweet. Okay, why does fear have such a grip on us? If you're taking notes, this is possibly the biggest thing you could learn today. Fear grows when you feed it. Fear sticks around when you feed it. Those stupid pigeons in the airport stuck around because the kid was feeding them. They didn't stick around for any other reason, but they were getting nourished. When we feed fear in our life, the irony is the inevitable thing we fear ends up happening. Let me tell you a story. I, um, I don't tell many stories, so I'll tell one now. <clears throat> We're laughing. So me and Holly one time, we, we, go out, uh, we go out to the Lake District, and we were jumping off some rocks into some water. And Holly's a little bit afraid, like she's mad keen on heights. And uh, we were up on this rock, and it was, it was like a small to medium one. It wasn't a big job. And, and we were going to jump off this rock into the water. And Holly was really scared at the time. She said, I, I just feel like I'm going to fall and hurt myself. And uh, she was like, took her a while to get over it. But as we were just about to jump, this fear kind of got big in Holly for a second. And we counted down, three, two, one, and we jump. And the thing is, Holly hesitated. The very thing that she was afraid was going to happen began to happen. She slipped and she started falling down this little cliff face thing and managed just before the end to kick off and land in the water. Like I was so mad. I was like, you said you wouldn't hesitate. I don't want you to die around me. What's going on? Your parents will kill me. But do you not find it funny that the very thing that we fear tends to happen because we fear it's happening. It's like a self-fulfilling thing. Like we're so terrified that people are going to reject us that we become caged and unknowable. And then people reject us because they don't really know us and they don't want us around. Or actually we're, we just want to please people. We're so afraid of fitting in and then people find out that we actually don't have anything to give of our own and they end up rejecting us. Now it's not a rule for life. It's just interesting to note that the very thing we're afraid of usually happens. Because of fear. And the thing is, once we believe fear once, we then start to believe it again. And it becomes a little bit of a habit, doesn't it? Like I said, fear often can feel like this big, gigantic thing, but very often it's just tons and tons and tons, like an infestation of vermin that we've let in, of pigeons just mindlessly flying around. Why? Because we keep feeding them. Because we just keep chucking bread out there. Every time we give in to fear, every time we shrink back, we're just slinging bread to the pigeons. And they're inviting their friends. And it's growing and growing. It's becoming a problem that we cannot solve on our own. Let me read a passage just quickly. John 14, 1, it says, this is Jesus talking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Jesus says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Remember, you believe in God. What's he saying? Live in relationship with God and you don't have to fear anymore. But why does he say do not let? Because it's on us. Okay, 
He has given us a way to live fearlessly. But it's on us to make that decision. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts fear. Can I make a small outlandish claim this morning? I think some people are more comfortable in their fear than they are in their faith. I think some people understand themselves better in their fear than they do their faith. Can I even suggest that this is far more common than maybe we realize? We get comfortable with fear. In fact, sometimes we masquerade fear as maturity or being sensible or being wise, don't we? I've done it. When I'm terrified of something, ah, maybe, you know, maybe it just isn't for me to do today. Maybe some people are more comfortable in their fear than their faith. See, fear wants you to live a small life, but faith calls you into an abundant life. See, when we live apart from God and we live in this severance, when we lean into this human brokenness, when we live in the human condition, we exist in the human condition, our lives shrink and shrink and shrink. Because why? Because we're comfortable. Because we can control all of the elements, can't we? In fact, we sit in our own little cage of fear because everything is where it should be. Like, I can control it. There's not a whole lot of stuff that I can... Do you get the picture? Like, we sit there. We're comfortable. We're just happy. I, I know everything. I'm fine. Because actually, fear makes us feel okay. But faith, it's a little bit unnerving, isn't it? Because we don't know what's going to happen. God says, I want to call you into a glorious future. And you're like, I don't know what that looks like. So I think I'm just okay being in my fear. Maybe you resonate with that, that actually you're more comfortable in your fear than your faith. I want to encourage you that God has purpose for your life. God has amazing, glorious potential that he's placed inside of you. In fact, he wants you to live a life of freedom. He wants you to live it fearlessly. Listen to this, Romans 5, 1 to 2 in the message. It's a little bit long. Bear with me. So listen to this. It says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted for us to do. So by entering through faith. So this is relationship with God through faith. He set us right with him and made us fit for him because of our master, Jesus. So what's it saying? So it's basically saying through faith in God. And we're able to do that through the sacrifice of Jesus. So through Jesus, we have relationship with God. And it says, we throw open the doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown his doors open to us. So Jesus made a way back to the Father. And when we accept the Father, we realize the whole time he had his arm out waiting for us. But listen to this. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and his glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. We find ourselves standing where we've always hoped we might stand, in the wide open spaces of his glory and grace. What's this saying? That through faith in Jesus, we have relationship with the Father. We can be restored back to who we were made to be, and live a life in the wide open expanse of his grace. Standing tall 
free from fear. Can I encourage you to stop feeding the birds? Stop feeding these birds in your life. Stop feeding fear in your life. So you might be here going, like, that's good, but like, how? I, I'm all on board. I, I'm, ready to, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to get rid of it, but how? The question on your mind, how do you chase away a pigeon? Or more so, how do you chase away a whole lot of pigeons that you've been feeding for a while? Let's go back to the verse we read at the beginning. Perfect love drives out fear. See, the creation ideal was a complete and utter absence of fear because there was a complete and utter wholeness of perfect love in relationship with God. Where there is perfect love, there is a complete absence of fear. Let's look at this quickly. We don't have tons of time left. What is perfect love? Well, obviously God loves us in a perfect way, but yet we can still fear. So it mustn't be talking about the fact that just because God loves us, we don't fear anymore. That's not what it means. Because obviously God loves us. And you know what? He beat fear on the cross. We've understood this. So fear is something when we live apart from God. Jesus made a way back to the Father. We can live in freedom. We can live in fullness because of what Jesus did on the cross. But there's a way that we have to remove the grip of fear from our lives. And this is perfect love. Let's look at this real quickly. 1 John 4.12. This is a few verses before. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And what? His love is perfected in us. So actually, perfect love is not perfect love like the way God loves us. It actually means perfected love. What does perfected means? It means into fruition. It means it's grown into the very thing it was supposed to be. When love grows into what it's meant to be, it is lived out. So let's backtrack a second. If no one's seen God, but we see God in love, and God in love is perfected in us, then love perfected looks like a life lived out in love. Love is only complete when it is walked out. It's when it goes from the talk to the walk. That is where love is perfected. See, perfected isn't perfect. It means completed. See, when we don't live in love, we lean into that severance, don't we? When we don't live out love, we lean into the human condition. We lean into the very essential brokenness that welcomed fear into our life in the first place. So actually, to drive out fear is to not have perfect love, but it is to have a living and active love in our lives. Let's just push this a little bit further. 1 John 4, 16. So this is the verse just before the perfect love verse. It says, God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God in them. This is crazy. So what this means is that if God fundamentally is love... Whoever lives in God lives in love, and God lives in them. Right back to the beginning. If fear is born in severance, then faith is restored. We are restored when we live in relationship with God, when we live out this love. This means things have to change. How do we chase away the pigeons? We learn to love others from a place of genuine love. Now, this sounds strange, doesn't it? Like, it sounds a little bit formulaic. Like, so you're saying that if I love God and love others, then I don't fear. But sort of what it's saying is more saying that actually, when we learn to fully live out the very heart of God, it squeezes fear. 
It squashes fear. When we live to breathe and exist out of the love and heart of God, we begin to live in an absence of fear. So actually, when we hear these inspirational quotes like, The emotion of fear, yeah, we totally, we have to get by that. It's things like the, if you want teaching on that, I'm sure you could go on Pinterest and you could get a lot about getting over fear. We're talking about deep-rooted fear here. The way we get rid of deep-rooted fear in our life is to learn to love. Because in loving others, what does it say in, in 1 John here? It says, but if we love one another, God lives in us. We are restored back to God when we learn to love one another. It is all about love. How astounding is that? That was a back door I never saw coming. I was like, what? The way you beat fear is by loving others. Do you know why? Because it's a selfless act. And what? Remember back to the beginning here, what was fear? A magnific magnification of self. But what's love? It's selfless. There is no room for magnification of self when we learn to operate in perfect love. So let's get this straight. If we want to live a life fearlessly, if we want to live a life free from this fear, we need to live out love in our lives. It's that simple. A friend of mine this week released a little video and he said uh, about some things in life. He said, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. So if you want to live a fearless life this morning, it's simple, but it's not easy. We need to learn to love. We need to love in a perfected way, in a complete way, where it moves from a belief to something that everyone can see on us. Let me ask you, how do you find loving people? How do you find it when... Things don't maybe go the way you hoped it would go. Because actually, sometimes we don't realize the correlation here. We can, we can pray and say, God, make me fearless. Make me bold. Let me just live a life free from fear. And then we walk out the door and we don't love. Those two things cannot work together. If we want to be free from fear, there is no room for magnification of self in perfect love. Jesus beat fear. But now we need to sweep it out. It's already dead. We just need to get rid of it. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to come into close. Now, I want to offer an opportunity. Like I said, next week we're going to go real practical. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about things that fear does to us. But I just thought it was so important for us today to get a handle on what really where fear came from and the things we can do in our life to drive it out. God wants us to live a life free from fear. He does. That's his, that's his hope for us. Why? Because when we be living in relationship with him. Can I suggest that you can actually have that today? And fear is something we all struggle with. Fear is something that we all come up against. But we can live free from fear today. Maybe today you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid of getting sick or maybe you're afraid of taking a risk or rejection or pain or whatever it is or embarrassment. These things that cripple us and hold us back. 
We read in Romans that God wants to live us to live in a wide open space of His grace. We can't live in that place if we don't learn to love. Because there is no fear in love. God has His hand out. He's waiting just for us to grab hold of it. Is today going to be the day that we finally say enough is enough with fear? Is today going to be the day we actually decide that we want to live a life free from the constraints of fear? Is today going to be a day that we finally decide to be the person that God is calling us to Are we going to be the person that God has designed and placed inside of us? Or are we going to live in fear? We just need to stop feeding the birds. Some of us treat fear like our little pet. Like I love pigeons. And we'll look at this next week. But the thing is, when, we, when you feed pigeons, they just, they just poo all over you. They do. Their pigeons aren't loyal. I remember being younger and when my friend you know, first got a car and you do that first McDonald's trip and we drove to the docks and, and you, you're sitting on the side of the docks and there's just pigeons and seagulls and birds everywhere. And if you go and throw them a chip, they're just going to poop on your car. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But actually, this is the biggest life lesson you will ever learn. The more that you feed your fear, it is not going to look after you. The more that you just chuck these little bits of things to fear, it is not going to see you through. It's actually just going to turn around and mess everything up. Fear will just mess your life up. We keep feeding it and we keep letting it stick around. Is today going to be the day where we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross and live out perfect love? Jesus came down from heaven. He lived a human life, like me and you. He ate food, he slept, he argued with people, he irritated people, he got haircuts, he was a normal human being. He poured himself out of all of his divine nature. Then he died on a cross, a very human death. And three days later, after he led in a tomb, cold, empty and alone, He bust open those doors of that tomb. He rolled away that stone and he trampled on sin. He trampled on death. The message version said he paraded sin and death through the town. He took shame, he took guilt, and he took fear and he killed them forever. And then he ascended up into heaven and he seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf speaking to God on your behalf. That's the same God I want to introduce you to today. Whether you think you've known Him for years or whether it's the first time you heard that message, He wants to live life with you. He wants you to live in freedom and in purpose. He's just got His arm out waiting. It's today going to be the day we finally say enough is enough. If you'd like to stand with me this morning, if you're able. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. 
If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.